This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Here we are a week away from the election. Lots of great stuff going on in the political world that we will talk about today. I don't know if you caught much of the debate this morning on the Craig Needle Show. If you didn't, I'll play you a snippet that may make you want to go back and hear the rest of it. It was great. It really was. London North Centre candidates gather around. You can go and watch it on our 980 CFPL Facebook page. And one week to go before we try and figure all of this stuff out. And I, I keep looking at... The Trudeau campaign, I don't know about you, does it remind you of what was happening with former Prime Minister Stephen Harper? I know one's liberal and one's conservative, but as his campaign was winding down, there were certain things that happened. He would make little comic relief type remarks. Justin Trudeau's doing that. Talked about eyebrows on a baby today. Little, little things. There were appearances in certain places. With no questions, no questions at all, just appearances, some statements. I don't know. The polls show that the NDP have certainly surged a little bit. I also wonder this thing, this 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 question. Um, if Jugmeet Singh was running for a different party, what would that do? If he was a member of the conservatives or the liberals, what would that do? What would be happening right now? That's something I, I wonder about, and we may talk about it a little while later on. There are some really interesting election signs that we're going to get to before the end of this very first half hour of London Live, and they've been created by Dr. Wes Kinghorn from Western University, and they focus in on Harry Potter characters, and they come and they go. Nobody has run after them and demanded that they be turned in and never put up again. I like this. I like this for a number of reasons, and we'll discuss that. We also have to talk Detroit Lions. I'm feeling for every single Detroit Lion fan that there is, and there are so many of them here in London. There really are. The Detroit Lions seem to get hosed more than any other team by the refs, and I'm sure that's not the case. And I love referees to death. I really do. And I try to be objective when it comes to refereeing because it is so hard. It really is. If you listen to tonight's broadcast, you will not hear us rip on referees, and I can't stand people who do. People who think that their team is getting screwed over more than any other team by bad calls need to watch more sports. That's the case. You're only watching one team. Watch other games. There were two terrible calls last night, but I don't even blame the refs for them. But we'll discuss what took place, and if you're a Lions fan and you need a shoulder to cry on today, let me offer up both of my shoulders where Trey Flowers actually had his hands last night when referees called hands to the face twice on Trey Flowers of the Lions. It was unfair. I didn't know that offensive linemen could dive. But what we saw last night was the equivalent of a dive from an offensive lineman faking that there was a hand in his face. David Bakhtiari is a veteran offensive lineman, very good at what he does. He was faking, faking. You can call it gray area. He was faking. So we'll talk about that as the Lions, yes, get hosed again. Taking doors off bathrooms. We've heard about that because of vaping. How about taking doors off bathroom stalls? You up for that? 
I don't think I am. I'm not, I'm not really into that. But there is a, get this, school in the United States that has done just that. A school. You kidding? Why? Because of the vaping? No, it has something more to do than just vaping. But I don't think this is the greatest solution. If you did not rake leaves this weekend... We have an alternative for you that we're going to present in an hour from now, where instead of raking leaves, get this, you cannot rake leaves. But normally that just means you've been lazy. This time around, you can actually give it an excuse and say, this is why I'm doing this. Now, your lawn may not win any awards come next year, but we'll kind of make our way through what that is. We're also going to talk about This London Life, which is a new performance and production that is appearing at The Grand. And we'll get the latest on a story that we started to follow last week, dealing with what is happening in Syria. The world is following this because you have the United States that has pulled their support away from Kurdish fighters, and that means that they are kind of open to attacks, and they were the ones that were keeping all of the ISIS prisoners in check and really keeping ISIS in check. So what has happened in the last couple of days? Well, quite a few things, and we'll get caught up on that. So jam-packed show today. If you want to reach me, 519-643-2222, anytime. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca, or you can tweet me at Stubbs980. First up, let's go back to this morning's debate of London North Center candidates, because things got a little heated a couple of times, but especially when talking about immigration. The first words you're going to hear are from Salim Mansour of the People's Party and from Peter Fragiscatos of the Liberal Party. Sarah Bahari is also there. She's with the Conservatives. Carol Dick of the NDP, or sorry, uh, Dirka Proud of the NDP. Carol Dick is also there from the Green Party. So we've got all kinds of people who were taking part in this. But here is that snippet from this morning in a discussion about immigration. You and your party have been coddling the wrong type of immigrants and refugees. We want to put the record straight. So stop your gibberish and stop smears. We have facts. And we no, are going to put no. those facts on the table. You do not have you any of those, Mr. Mensah. We should be ashamed trying to speak about I'm an immigrant prime son. minister who's an embarrassment around the world. I'm an immigrant son, Mr. Mensah. Born away, yeah. you don't know anything about what you're talking. I'm going to let Dirk Prout take the, the, the next answer yeah. on this. I'll get, I'll get to you in just a second, Ms. Bahari. Yeah. Um, uh, just to make sure people are clear on this, I am also an immigrant's daughter. Um, and I would like to say that I'm proud that the NDP is uh, working towards a, a fair and compassionate immigration system. Sarah yeah. Bahari, you get last word on immigration. First of go. all, I would like to clear that it would be an insult for the Conservative Party. People like Mr. Salim Mansour uh, say that they were a part of a Conservative Party, or if, if someone says that it's cut from the same cloth, so it's an insult if uh, Salim Mansour says that he's from the Conservative Party. So that's just a snippet from this morning, but you get the sense that there were a lot of people on the offense, there were a lot of people on the defense, a lot of things did get heated, and I invite you to please either go to our Facebook page at 980CFPL, and you can watch the debate there, or you can hear the audio from it at 980CFPL.ca, or you can certainly go to the Craig Needles podcast, but... Joining us right now in studio is the guy who is moderating this and will be moderating one more debate, Craig Needles himself. Craig, this morning seemed to get heated at times. What was it like? 
oh, it was, it was fun to be a part of because these are people that all very much care about the issues and care about their candidacies and, 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 and want to be the next MP for London North Centre. So there are a lot of attacks. Most of them focus on Peter Fragascados and the Liberals. But uh, there were other uh, attacks as well uh, on uh, on all parties. Everyone's getting it from time to time. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty intense conversation and it was uh, a loud conversation, I think is very fair to say. In that way, did it kind of mimic the federal leaders debate where at times everybody's bit. turning on Justin Trudeau and yeah. other times there are other attacks but yeah. that that there's focus. a lot of people talking over other people uh, not as much as a federal leaders debate but that was definitely a thing so in terms of what you look for in candidates when they're on the attack or they're on the defense what do you what do we have to draw from what happened uh, I think that the NDP is realizing that there's a, there's some space here to, to peel off liberal votes. I think that was Dirk Proud's strategy was, hey, look, the liberals have let you down on this, this or this. Uh, I think that the liberals have realized that we're kind of under siege from the left and the right here as far as our vote kind of sliding away. And we've got to sort of shore that up with – Hey, we're the, the the steady hand, the the tiller Canadian government, blah blah blah. And oh, by the way, the Conservatives are just like the PPC. So there's a couple of those moments in there as well. So I think that's kind of the strategy with less than a week to go here. Well, if you missed it, you can still see it. You can go to the 980 CFPL Facebook page. You can go to Craig's podcast. You can go to 980CFPL.ca, and you can get yourself informed. Especially if you are voting in London North Centre and you haven't done that just yet. One more debate to go, Craig. It arrives on Thursday. Who is in on? that one. That would be the candidates for Elgin, Middlesex, London. Now, we haven't heard back from all the candidates yet. Karen Vecchio said she's going to be here. Uh, the Liberal candidate said that uh, they'll be here as well. We'll see what the rest of them have to say, but we're trying. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll let you know tomorrow exactly who's going to be here. But we're going to have a debate and we'll see how it goes. Doors open if yeah. they want to come if, through please, it. Please, I beg of you to come. You're more than invited. They are beautiful studios. Craig's a wonderful moderator. It'll All be a great things. time. Yeah, yeah. Here's please open. show up. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Craig Needles, host of The Craig Needles Show and host of this morning's debate. And there is one more to come. And again, they're waiting for confirmation from a couple of candidates. And it is great to have these platforms. It is great to have people as they try to to give their perspective and then are countered by other candidates. It's, it's a perfect platform. So be an informed voter. I always go back and forth. What's best do we want a great voter turnout because it's you know that if you get a great voter turnout next monday then we'll hear that trumpeted across the country oh look at how many people they they really really grab the attention of canadians with this election Mm, is that a good thing or do you want informed voters you know, there should be tiers set up in all of this where you have the informed voters. And if you can pass a very I'm all about passing the tests. I'm all about passing a test to become a parent. I'd love to see that. It'll never happen, but I'd love to see it. I would love to see passing a very quick test in order to cast a ballot. I mean, is that is it unfair to ask for that? Because you've got people who go in, especially in a municipal election. In a lot of cases in a provincial and federal election, but I would kind of put those in the same boat, they would go in feeling, yeah, I have to vote. And I always look back to the municipal election and the idea that you're voting for school trustees and people will pick names. You may have done this before and it isn't against the law. You don't know the person, but you like the name Steve. So might as well pick. Sounds nice. Steve. I had a neighbor once, Steve. 
He used to blow out my driveway in the winter. Yeah, I like the name Steve. I'm going to vote for Steve for school board trustee. That happens. And that does even happen in this case where you are compelled. You, I am a Canadian and I am over the age of 18. I must vote. But have you been following anything? No, but I'm going to vote. Okay, thanks, I guess. That's not the way we should be doing things. Should you not have a little skill testing question test? And if you, you are, hey, we, we're not changing the laws here, so you're allowed to vote. But I just think that maybe your vote, if you pass the informed skills test, maybe your vote could count for 1.5. That's all. You know, if if you can actually answer the question, name three of the five federal party leaders. These do not have to be difficult questions, but I bet you we'd have a lot of people who'd struggle to name five. Could we make it four out of five? Okay, name four out of the five federal party leaders. What else could be on our skill testing uh, questions test? Now, you still get to vote, but if you get the skill testing questions right, your vote counts for a little more. What do you think? Because I think that's important. I think it's terrible that people just show up and vote because they feel that that's what they that's what, you know, I guess it's it's the day. It's Election Day. Here I go. But they haven't looked at anything. They're looking at names and thinking, I have no idea who these people are, but I know their party. So eh, I'll pick that. I'm not saying that I would get that full one point six or one point five or whatever. I probably wouldn't. I probably should. But I probably wouldn't. But I still think that, yeah, if I don't, and then it would encourage people to at least pay attention next time. Hey, you really want to get your candidate in? You want to be responsible for 1.6 of a vote or even whatever we would term it to be? You want to be responsible for more than just one vote? Try this. Learn, follow, and then vote. Anything that draws attention to something that helps somebody learn, we've all got to be in, right? Anything that raises awareness, that makes you say, oh, okay, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of things like that. We've got to be in for that. Don't you think? Well, we happen to have someone who has done something very interesting in London. And it's interesting, even though it has... No bearing on anybody who could vote in the upcoming federal election. But we have had Dr. Wes Kinghorn from Western University put up Harry Potter-related election-looking signs. And they definitely have been seen. They definitely have been talked about. So let's kind of get the behind-the-scenes on this particular story, because Dr. Kinghorn has been nice enough to join us on London Live. Dr. Kinghorn, let's work backward on this. Did you have any inkling this would get the reaction it has received? Not even slightly. Um, it's so funny. My wife, Wendy, somewhat anticipated this, but honestly, it, uh, you know, it's, it's a local kind of fun little thing that I did mainly to entertain the kids in the neighborhood, uh, you know, on the way to school. We're on Lord Roberts' uh, route. Uh, so, you know, the kids walk by in the mornings and they just thought, ah, let's do this just to entertain kids a little bit. A lot of Harry Potter fans in the neighborhood. And no, I had no idea. <laughs> it's been a total shock, actually. So how many signs actually are there? So there are four, uh, just four signs, although um, someone mysteriously dropped off a Dobby sign this morning, a homemade one, kind of <laughs> hilarious as well. But <laughs> This is getting bigger. So moving. 
It's getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, might not vote for Dobby. I, I don't know about you. I, I, of all the, the possibilities that you're putting forth, Dobby might be one of the last ones. Dobby, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a big Hermione fan in this race, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you determine who you were going to put on what signs and how? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, part of it was, you'll notice like the, the three of them are actually friends in, uh, in the wizarding world. And so the idea was basically, uh, you know, politics gets a little divisive. We were on the long weekend before the, uh, before the election itself. And it just seemed like a lighthearted way to sort of, uh, you know, let kids know that although the policies will be different and we'll all disagree on the policies we want to see come into place, uh, the people generally who are running uh, have good intentions. They're good people. And so I thought, you know, it was kind of fun to, to have three people who actually liked each other in the real world, but we're or in the wizarding world, but we're competing with each other uh, in this race. It's, it's Remus Lupin. Oh, and okay. the fourth one does, does break from all that because it's Lord Voldemort, who, uh, who in the alternative universe of London North Center has, uh, is going for re-election. <laughs> <laughs> now, before you did this, did you have to look and see whether or not it would be legal, or do we even know what the legalities are? You know, I I, I think when it's something lighthearted like this, uh, people will turn a bit of a blind eye. I will say I'm putting the signs, they, they come and go, they disappear and reappear, which is part of the fun too. Uh, they're always out uh, in the mornings when the kids are walking to school. Um, and then, you know, they, they happen to reappear from time to time uh, just for fun. And I, I do put them uh, sort of a little closer to the road than I think you're supposed to, but otherwise I think everything's okay. Dr. Wes Kinghorn joining us from Western University, responsible for four election signs. So take us through them again, who they are and, and what colored signs they are. So we've got uh, Hermione Granger, uh, who is running for Dumbledore's Army Ontario. Uh, hers is sort of a periwinkle sign. We've got uh, Harry Potter, uh, who is running for the Gryffindor Ontario Party, and he is uh, he has a sort of forest green sign. Uh, we've got uh, Remus Lupin, who's running for the Marauders, um, and he's on a sort of brownish sign. And finally, on a purple sign, we have Lord Voldemort, uh, who is running for your Ontario Death Eaters. <laughs> but at the same time, you've got these on school routes, like you mentioned. This is a great way to have kids introduced to this stuff because they would see all these signs and not have any idea what they necessarily meant. Now, maybe they start talking about it. I love it. Totally. And, you know, I got the idea. I have to give all credit to somebody did a, a Darth Vader one a few years ago, and I saw that go by online. And my thinking here was, uh, rather than just having a one-off sign that would sit on the front yard, why not have a bit of a competition? And I kind of think the reason this went viral is that people started, if you look at some of the comments that are floating around online, a lot of people are choosing their candidates. So, and I was hoping the same thing with the kids. They could walk along, have a discussion with their mom or their dad about like, hey, you know, who would I vote for? and Why would I vote for them? And, and uh, it kind of, you're right, gets kids a little bit engaged in this idea about uh, how politics works, how they can choose a candidate uh, and, and what their reasoning might be. So. We know yeah, how fast you're exactly right. We know how fast they grow up. They'll be 18 and voting before they're uh, they're maybe ready for it. I'm not sure some of us are sometimes ready for it. So that's right, exactly. So it, it it will stay these these four. They'll come and go, and like the other election signs, can we expect them to disappear uh, shortly after next Monday? Absolutely. Uh, we do kind of a huge thing at Halloween at our house, so uh, I'm being lobbied to put them back up on Halloween, which I'll probably do as well. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, otherwise they're going to disappear until the provincial election, and then they'll come back out again. I've been uh, heavily lobbied to include a couple of new characters, so we're going to probably see Luna Lovegood join the race the next time they, they appear, and, uh, and Electrix Lestrange has been uh, heavily lobbied. So probably going to see a couple new ones when we hit the next election cycle. See, already this is turning into something even bigger. Dr. Kinghorn, <laughs> thank you for initiating it, because this is a blast. Have yourself a great uh, afternoon. Great. Thanks, man. Thanks for uh, for taking interest, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Sounds good. Dr. Wes Kinghorn, professor at Western University on Harry Potter-themed election signs. You may be able to catch a glimpse of them. Like he says, he keeps having to take them out and put them back in. I want to get an update on a story that we talked about last week. And that was what is happening in Syria, what is happening with ISIS prisoners. And someone who has been following this very closely is Global News reporter Stuart Bell. Stuart, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Can we, for anybody who maybe wasn't paying too much attention to this story, can we get the Coles Notes version of what actually began last week? Well, I mean, the the Kurdish uh, fighters in northeast Syria, they control about a third of Syria. And uh, six months ago, they territorially defeated ISIS. Uh, They captured about 100,000 ISIS fighters and their families and have been holding them at camps and prisons around northeast Syria. Um, Now, that everything changed very suddenly uh, on October the 6th when President Trump announced that he was pulling U.S. troops out of the region in order to pave the way for a Turkish invasion. Um, so that, uh, that Turkey did very quickly take advantage of that. They launched operations across the border, airstrikes and shelling. Um, Pro-Turkish Islamist groups went along with them and have been conducting uh, atrocities and executions. And facing um, this alone without U.S. support anymore, the Kurds uh, were forced to make a deal with the Syrian regime. And uh, the regime forces are now moving into that area um, with the support of their Russian allies. So very, very quickly, there's been a complete uh, turn of events in that part of the world. You've gone from having a strong ally in the Kurdish forces that were in control there and holding ISIS fighters to now having this region controlled by a pro-Russian regime. Interesting. And like you mentioned, it happened quickly from October 6th to now today. This this all has kind of played itself out. So we talked about ISIS prisoners last week, and you had hinted that maybe some of them wind up just in the wind. Do we know whether that has happened in any way yet? Uh, well, I think since we last spoke, there was uh, a mass escape from one of the camps in a place called Ainissa, which had come under attack by Turkish forces, uh, something like 850 um, foreign ISIS families were able to flee that camp. Um, and uh, there have been a number of attacks by ISIS, including uh, a car bombing at an ISIS prison, which you assume would be to attempt to breach the security there and allow the escapes of ISIS members. But as far as we know, the Kurdish forces are still, uh, they say that they're still keeping uh, the ISIS men, the prisoners, in detention. They continue to be responsible for them. 
but they also said at the same time that they've had to pull their forces out of the ISIS detention centers in order to uh, to basically fight for their survival. We're talking with Stuart Bell, Global News reporter. Stuart, having this under a pro-Russian regime control, any ideas or any suggestion as to what that could mean or what it could do? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's really dramatically changed the dynamics in the Middle East where you know we did have a strong ally in that very, very important part of the world, uh, and now it's gone. It's now fallen to uh, to uh, pro-Russian side, and what that means is you know really a loss of our ability to have any influence uh, in that critical part of the world. Um, what it means for the ISIS detainees, I don't know. I mean, this, it's still very, very unpredictable. Um, you know, they're still fighting, and of course, ISIS loves to exploit that kind of chaos, and they would love to, um, to you know, get their fighters out of those prisons to help them regroup. Um, whether or not Turkey or Syria will uh, take control of some of these prisoners, or whether they'll just escape or uh, rejoin ISIS or even come try to come back to Canada. Uh, it's really hard to say right now because things are just changing so fast. You mentioned that people could be coming back to Canada at some point. What role would Canada or what role would, say, the RCMP have in something like this? Well, the RCMP is well aware who of who is in these uh, camps and prisons, the Canadian citizens. Um, but you know, what's really difficult to understand is that not one of those people faces any charges yet in Canada. Uh, today we posted a story, my interview with one of those guys who openly admits his his deep involvement with ISIS. Uh, he, he was um, very active. He was a, a member of the ISIS media branch, which, as you know, produced a lot of propaganda materials, um, and he was captured in a gunfight about nine months ago. But even he doesn't face any charges in Canada. So it's it's very difficult to understand, um, but basically Canada isn't ready. Should any of these folks be kicked out by whoever uh, is taking control of these camps and prisons and they return here, um, Canada isn't ready to prosecute them. It hasn't filed charges against any of them. So, I mean, that's something that uh, the government's going to have to think about, given the dramatic uh, way things are changing. And the attitude that came out in in that interview was that that individual was pro-fighting on and, and, and not opposed to, you know, getting back involved in what it would be, like you say, a lot of chaos in the Middle East. Do you think that's a pretty prevalent attitude? I think it's mixed. For his, in his case, absolutely. He still considers himself a part of ISIS. He uh, he believes in uh, care that the fight of ISIS needs to continue, and he supports things like suicide bombings. Um, and he justified the atrocities of ISIS in our interview. He did not have any remorse whatsoever. That's a dangerous situation. You don't want somebody like that coming back to Canada and not being arrested. Uh, the second they set foot on our territory, the airport. Um, I think there are others as well. It's a it's a mix. Not everybody is quite so hardened. There's people we spoke to that seem to be regretful um, and remorseful. But again, um, that's fine. But having contributed to ISIS and to the just horrific atrocities they committed against 
the Syrians, the Iraqis, and foreigners. Um, they all need to be held to account. What was it like talking with somebody like that? Well, on the one hand, it's uh, it's chilling because you know you're staring at somebody who um, willingly took part in a terrorist organization that you know beheaded people, threw gays off rooftops, um, took young girls as uh, slaves, um, and tried to impose a really stark uh, ideology on the people of Syria and Iraq. But on the other hand, when you see them, they're they just seem small and pathetic and weak. Um, and it's good to know that they're in custody, even if their future is kind of uncertain. Um, but, you know, you, I, I encounter them initially um, as people, mostly online and in video, who are very, um, you know, brash and, uh, and trying to make the appearance of being very strong. And when you see them in person, they're actually just... You know, as I said, they they look pathetic. Hmm. Stuart, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for working in covering the story. Thank you. That is Stuart Bell, Global News reporter, and I'll tweet out a link to that interview that Stuart was referring to so that you can at least get a sense of what he heard from an individual who was not born in Canada, ended up moving to Toronto, uh, was a part of ISIS, and as Stuart mentioned, now is somebody that is in custody, and the look of that person is maybe a little bit different than what you see online or in videos. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.